the development of alternative energy, in particular alternative sources of electricity production, has gained momentum in recent decades, notably following the oil crisis that hit the European Union in the 70s and early 80s. This momentum has only accelerated with the climate crisis and in Europe with the Green Deal priority tabled by Ursula von der Leyen's commission, not to mention the latest geopolitical developments, as Robert Habeck, German Vice-Chancellor and Green Party member, explains. Of course, this is still the structural task of our time, the task by which we are measured as a political generation namely the containment of global warming, the reduction of CO2 emissions, the prevention of stagnation in this area. Secondly, there is the Russian war of aggression against Ukraine and the urgent need to reduce payments to Putin, and even, if possible, to stop them. And thirdly, the social question, which is becoming increasingly urgent due to high energy prices, perhaps more so now than in many other years. Traditionally, electricity in Europe has been generated from nuclear power, coal and natural gas. But all three sources have major drawbacks. Nuclear power produces waste that remains radioactive and dangerous to human health for thousands of years. Burning coal not only contributes significantly to the greenhouse effect, but also emits toxic and carcinogenic substances into the air, water and soil. And as for gas, apart from the fact that it is also a hydrocarbon, a key concern today is the EU's heavy dependence on imports from Russia. This is why the bloc is actively working to diversify its electricity production sources, and the goal is to have cleaner, more sustainable energy sources that are also reliable, affordable and, so to speak, homegrown. The rapid deployment of renewable energies is at the heart of the Repower EU plan, the EU's initiative to break its dependence on Russian fossil fuels. And in Strasbourg this week, MEPs gave the green light to a revision of the Renewable Energy Directive, whose new ambition is to almost double the share of renewable energy from the current 22% to 42.5% by 2030. The previous target was 30% by that time. According to Pedro Amaral Jorge, president of the Portuguese Association for Renewable Energies, this is a bigger deal than it looks. He's speaking to our colleagues at Radio Renascença. Now, this may only look like 12.5%, but it's not just 12.5%. This is a very, very bold and ambitious step, and one that Europe is in a position to achieve. This is great on paper, of course, But how does it look in practice? This is Hermine Dancel, and I'm back with a new episode of the Green Deal podcast. Our Europe-wide team of journalists speaks to experts and stakeholders across the Union. And let's start with some good news. In 2022, solar and wind power supplied more electricity than any other energy sources in the EU. This is because they are relatively cheap and easy to implement. Rumen Petrov, a member of the board at the Bulgarian Solar Association, cites this among a number of benefits of solar energy, whether photovoltaic or solar thermal, in an interview with Bulgarian National Radio. The investment isn't that big, and the installation itself is easy. 
I would suggest that, given the price of the equipment available and taking into account electricity prices, the return on investment is six years at most for a solar plant. In addition, there's high predictability of volume, because you can tell with reasonable accuracy on which dates there'll be sun and for how many hours of the day. During daylight hours, we can cover a large part of the needs of both citizens and businesses. However, according to EU data, European suppliers currently import most of the solar energy products they install. In 2020, for example, some 8 billion euros worth of photovoltaic panels were installed, three quarters of which came from China. Only a small share of global production actually takes place in the EU. Shifting our reliance away from non-European manufacturers by expanding the EU's own production capabilities has become a priority for Brussels, which hopes to strengthen the sector's resilience while also creating jobs and added value. Cosmin Kerstoyu, who owns shares in Romania's first solar panel factory, tells Radio Romagna that things are certainly looking up in this regard. In Romania and in Europe, these used to be exclusively imported. There was no local production of photovoltaic panels. We noticed this niche and have tried to fill it. We're talking about an investment of around 450,000 euros, an investment made from the pockets of the company's shareholders without any other bank contributions or financing from external sources. The money also comes entirely from within the country. Our maximum production capacity is 30 megawatts per year, which translates to somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 panels per month. Demand is very high. We have contracts with Germany, we have interest from the UK, and we're in fairly advanced discussions with Italy as well. Solar panels have a limited lifespan, generally around 30 years, and their components are quite polluting. Yet, according to French electricity supplier Engie, nowadays 94% of these components are currently recovered, with the remaining 6% in the form of dust captured by filters and sometimes used as a substitute for sand in the construction industry. In Italy, Michele Benvenuti, manager of RAE, a treatment plant for electrical and electronic waste in Emilia-Romagna, was among the first on the peninsula to turn his attention to the collection of this kind of waste. We predicted that in a few years there'd be an increase in the need to dispose of solar panels. So I said, let's try this. We were among the very first and we still are. We began an important partnership with an Italian supplier who had come up with a prototype for treating these panels and we took it as a bit of a challenge. We realized that after just one year, something that we had been expecting to take off in three or four years was already attracting interest. There was already a need to salvage solar panels, and we are now working at a pretty intense rate. So, how do they recycle solar panels? This treatment can obviously be performed in various ways, with a range of technologies available for the final treatment of a panel. Some technologies involve chemical treatments, others heat treatments. 
In our case, we opted for a much simpler but still efficient approach, a totally mechanical treatment. In this way, we managed to cover some 97 to 98% of a panel's weight, meaning that pretty much everything is recycled. Because the production of electricity from solar and wind power fluctuates with the weather, there is still an element of unpredictability. Although the technology has evolved considerably, what to do with excess energy continues to pose problems. It can either be stored in batteries, but those are expensive, or fed into the grid, which is not yet fully adapted to handle it and can become overloaded. This is a challenge in almost every country in the European Union. In Slovenia, for example, a record number of solar plants were installed last year. Nina Hojnik from the Slovenian Photovoltaic Association tells journalist Mateja Arnuš. Yet at the same time, since the grid and supporting infrastructure are not yet robust enough, around a fifth of applications were also rejected. At the moment, as we know, the grid does not allow for the installation of a solar power plant on every rooftop because it was not built for this purpose and has not been properly upgraded. For this reason, the medium-term solution currently lies, for example, in energy storage devices. Since these serve to limit the energy injected into the grid, they prevent the solar power plant putting excessive pressure on that grid. We can talk about improving the grid, but these are things that take a long time. And the fact is that the grid is already saturated in places because it wasn't built to meet the needs of today's green transition. Fifteen years ago, for example, the average user wasn't thinking about switching their heating to electricity or buying an electric car or producing solar energy. Our network wasn't built for so many dispersed sources in the first place. It was built for the distribution of electricity from large power plants to the end user. In turn, conventional energy sources are currently still required to compensate for periods of low production. The EU is looking into solutions to address these related problems, as revealed by a report published by members of the European Distribution Systems Operators on 6 September. One possible solution is to use surplus solar energy produced during peak periods to generate clean hydrogen through electrolysis. This hydrogen can then be used in batteries or stored as compressed gas, allowing large quantities of clean energy to be stored for long periods for distributions at times of high demand. In a conversation with Mart Waldner at Kukku Radio, Rein Vox from Estonia's climate ministry explains that this solution is expected to become increasingly viable. Just 10 to 15 years ago, wind energy was extremely expensive. State guarantee mechanisms had to be put in place for wind energy to even get off the ground. Today, we see that wind energy is one of the cheapest ways to generate electricity. We hope to see a similar pattern in the hydrogen sector. But it's crucial to emphasize that we're talking about renewable hydrogen. We're talking about using excess electricity to produce hydrogen, which can then be stored and used either as hydrogen or converted back into electricity in the future. This is where energy storage systems come into play. There are, of course, countless alternative energy sources. Wind power, of course, 
geothermal, osmotic, tidal, hydroelectricity, biomass, biogas, landfill or sewage treatment plant gas, and so on. And innovation is continually offering new solutions to the problems of their use, says Fox. This is where we're counting on innovation. The objectives are set. We have very enterprising entrepreneurs, not just here in Estonia, but all over the world. We now need to start filling in the gaps, which is actually something we've been doing for decades. How do we move forward from this point? How do we displace the last fossil fuels and manage renewables as a whole? That's the big question and the big challenge for the years to come, for decades to come. Given the need to speed up the energy transition, there is every chance that more EU resources will be invested in innovation and that this will in turn bear fruit. As they say, where there's a will, there's a way. Thank you for listening. Make sure to come back in two weeks' time for our next episode of the Green Deal podcast. Bye.